Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I am Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Pete Wright. How are you? How are you? You feeling good on this day? Are you optimistic? Got this song in my head, Nikki, and I'm right now I'm not optimistic that I'm ever going to get it out of my head. And I don't know what it is. And the community is failing me every turn. They're not. They're saying things like you might be off your meds and... (laughs) Well, that's there's a we talked very about you real, looking like a bobblehead. Very real chance. What is going on with well, you? Well, I shave my beard, and that's throwing people. I spent a weekend. My son turned thirteen. I no longer have preteens. Oh yeah, you're a house full of teenagers. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Now he's thirteen. He's ready to learn to drive. Right, uh, right, right. Because that's what they <laughs> that's do at next. thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Got a yeah, teen in my totally. name. I'm ready to go in the age. Uh, We are talking about optimism today and the choice to be optimistic. Is it a choice to be optimistic? We're going to talk about that. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we'll send you an email with the latest episode each week as it is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, we encourage you to check out our uh, Patreon account. You can support us with your by throwing just throwing dollars at us uh, through Patreon. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. There are some fantastic people who have already uh, decided that they want to help us help us do uh, more with this show more like this workshop. Here's a workshop that we just did last week on getting started on avoided projects. And if you were a patron right now, you would have access to that in our complete library of other workshops that Nikki has done that Nikki and I have done uh, over the past uh, since we started this thing six months ago. And that library just continues to grow. You would have early access to the podcast. We record the podcast. You could join for a live stream of that recording uh, before it, that episode goes public the following week. So there's a little bit of a, 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 a um, you get a little bit of an early access perk that's always fun. So there's a lot of great stuff that you you can uh, take part of when you uh, jump into the patron uh, and become a patron of the ADHD podcast. Mostly it just helps Nikki and I to continue to grow and do this show and uh, do it in a way that, that supports this community. So, you know, we've been doing this for 10 years. This is the big ask. Uh, uh, give us a shot to continue to grow and and do more great stuff with the ADHD community. Thank you so much in advance for your consideration. Nikki Kinzer, 
Is it, yes. it where where did this come from right now? Was it uh, did, was there something specifically that inspired you? Uh, because I knew you were going to ask me that question because you always do. Well, it's and just no, such it a really nice didn't. like bounce off of the resilience conversation we had last week. It feels like the, well, it's a wonderful sort of bookend. It is, and and I think that you know the the session or the podcast that we had before that was having a growth mindset, yeah. and it just really felt like it all sort of. Um, worked together and optimism is something that I think about daily. Well, you should because it takes practice. It does. It does. And you had asked the question, is it a choice to be optimistic? I believe it is. And the research says it is, which in itself is very optimistic. And that I'm very grateful for. Because the research says it is, it sure makes it easier to believe that it is. Right. Let's just put it that way. I know it's it's a very (laughs) optimistic way of looking at life, but I'm grateful for that because what if the research said, no, it's not a choice. You either have it or you don't. I mean, that's like really hopeless. Yeah. That would just not be nice. Right. So I'm I I'm glad that the research says that I live with anxiety, not a secret. So I almost always immediately go to worst case scenario in many circumstances. Right. And so optimism is not going to naturally be my first thought. So, you know, if you were to ask the question, are you naturally optimistic? I would say no. But is it a choice to be? Yes, because I can reframe what I'm thinking. I can sit back and and think about it. Not all the time. I mean, it takes, well, I should say it takes a lot of time. I mean, to kind of step back away away from certain things. Right. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I do think I don't like going to the worst case scenario. So if there is a different option, I certainly want to do that. Well, and it's funny. I mean, you mentioned the anxiety. And I, as someone who struggles with anxiety myself, too, I, I feel like that is um, uh, that's kind of part and partial to the to the saddle you're wearing. Right. Is that it, is right. that, you know, you are you're pre-wired and pre-programmed to to think about the most negative stuff. And um, mm-hmm. I, what I what I don't like to hear is when people stop there. And I hear that a, a lot from, from folks who write us. You know, I talk about the What's That Smell anxiety podcast. Uh, you know, that's, right. that is a, a show dedicated to exactly this kind to of anxiety, stuff, to right. anxiety. Like, yes. how can you figure out a way to approach anxiety optimistically? And um, and it's one of the things that I'm I'm always, I'm surprised and a bit disheartened by the number of people who, who stop after saying, I'm just wired that way. I'm an anxious person. I'm yeah. just wired that way. As if that's the end of the discussion, right? As right. if that's the end of your position, you're always going to be an anxious and uh, a person who is, um, you know, who goes to that lowest of the low point and that there's nothing you can do about it. Because, again, mm-hmm. research says otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I had the opportunity this weekend to watch uh, Brene Brown on Netflix. Mm-hmm. She has a documentary or um, not a really documentary because that's not what it is, but it's a one hour, hour and a half her speaking, you know, as a presenter. And uh, she talked about this, about how it's really hard for people to find joy because we're always afraid that it's going to be taken away from us. So here we are in this like moment of what should be pure joy, but yet we're thinking worst case scenario. And so she had the example of her daughter going to prom and, you know, saying goodbye to her and her date and she's waving and Brene Brown has a really great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So she does this really witty, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm thinking about how wonderful this moment is, but I also have to think about how grateful I am because that's the only way I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. 
So she's just like, I'm really grateful to like, I'm really grateful to see you off. You know, this is great. I'm really grateful. <laughs> so yeah. she keeps talking about how grateful she is. <laughs> and her son looks at her dad or looks at his dad and he and he says, so what's wrong with mom? <laughs> is she having a stroke? <laughs> yeah. And the dad's like, just let it be. She just needs to be grateful. Just let her go. Because yeah. <laughs> that was the only way that she could like, okay, I'm grateful. I'm going to, because, you know, worst case scenario, you think that's the last time you're going to see your daughter. She's going to get in a car accident. Something terrible is going to happen. I mean, you know, those things come to mind. And so you can't fight them. Um, And I love how you said, what is next then? Yeah, It's like, what? let's not have that be the end of the story. Right. So gratitude is definitely, I didn't add that into our notes, but I think it's really important that we talk about that too. Gratitude is a big piece of that, is how we appreciate what we have, what's around us, who's with us, the moments we have, the memories we're creating. Uh, Gratefulness, gratitude is a big part of that, of, of being optimistic is appreciating those things. Right, right. I'm really lucky because I live with two of the most optimistic people in the world. Yeah. And that's my husband and my daughter. They're two peas in a pod. They're almost exactly alike. They have the same sense of humor, the same attitude. Um, And let me, you know, be very clear. Being optimistic doesn't mean that you don't have bad days Mm -hmm. or that you don't have bad things happen to you because they do. Mm-hmm. They do have terrible things that have happened, especially my husband and his health, you know, has been a uh, a huge ordeal for this. But what I do know for sure is that the majority of the time I see my husband and my daughter, they're happy. They're uh, in a good moods. They see good in other people. They see good in themselves. Mm-hmm. They're confident in themselves. They see the silver lining and opportunities and things. And then they spread the joy around them. Mm -hmm. So my son and I, who are like two peas in a pod. Yeah, right. (laughs) That can rub off on us too, right? Because then their positivity will rub off on us who both live with anxiety. So it's, it's, I feel very grateful because if I didn't have that in my life, I think that I probably would have to work even harder to be optimistic. Yeah. So... Yeah. What's your story? I, well, it's not it's not so much a story. It's that I you got me uh, with this topic. You got me uh, looking at, at sort of what that research is all about. And it's it again, it started off of a uh, of an email submission to the uh, What's That Smell podcast, which is around catastrophic thinking. Right. Yes. And uh, and so I wanted to talk just a little bit about that, uh, because it turns out that catastrophizing or catastrophic thinking is uh, one of the four uh, major sort of categories of negative thinking, right, that goes into optimism, right? It's the stuff that drags you down. And I think that these are the four behaviors that can become habituated when we, uh, you know, when we are in, when we lose track of what it means to be an optimistic person. And when we, uh, and so the Mayo Clinic has has published a number of uh, resources on their website around this. This comes from a, a survey of research. Uh, one of them that I thought was most interesting, given the heart issues that are going on in my own family, is a study that connects optimism to overall cardiovascular health. And I want to talk about that in a little bit because it it's fantastic. 
fantastic. Um, but in the case of these four major sort of areas that you could be falling into the trap of negative thinking, I just want to just set the table here. Number one is filtering right? Filtering means you are magnifying the negative aspects of a situation and you filter out the positive aspects, right? So mm -hmm. you have a day at work where you accomplish many tasks and you have you you do great things and suddenly one thing happens uh, at the end of the day and you go home and realize that tomorrow is going to be busy and so you just decide, you know, I'm I'm overwhelmed. It's all I can do. Even though you had generally a good day, you forget immediately the good stuff that happened, and you you let yourself perseverate on the bad stuff. You filter mm -hmm. the good stuff. Number two is personalizing. When something bad happens, now how many of you with ADHD don't you do you do this? When something bad happens, you instinctively believe it's your fault. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. How often do you have to think about that with your with the folks you work with, Nikki? I mean, that oh, happens every single time. stinking day around my office. All the time. Every day. Yeah. Every client. This happens. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely an ADHD trait. Totally. And, and mm -hmm. you know, it is even especially, uh, okay, so a meeting cancels. You have to meet with a bunch of people. And uh, everybody is set to go. And then at the last minute, the organizer cancels the meeting. My first instinct is always, I guess they didn't want me to be a part of it. And so they all canceled the meeting. They're probably meeting together someplace else. I know that's right. totally irrational and ridiculous. And I need to, you know, but that's the kind of behavior that you don't even know you're doing. It's so insidious. Number. Can I give you yeah. an example yeah. that I see almost all the time, too, on a daily basis? Yeah. So somebody will block a period of time to study or to work on a focus project and they don't get done as much as they thought they were going to get done in the two hours. Yeah. They blame themselves. They immediately um, go to the place that I didn't work hard enough. I was too distracted. I didn't get as much done as I wanted to. It's my fault. Yep. yep. And I have to say, it's not. You did what you could in the two hours you had. Mm -hmm. But they instinctively think it's them. It is all you can do. You do yep. all you can do. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the third one we talked about is catastrophizing and catastrophic thinking. And the example that came into the, the other show, What's That Smell, around catastrophic thinking is, is really dark, uh, which is you just you anticipate the worst. And in this case, the, the submission was, you know, I the anxiety I have, I come home and my you know, I expect my family to be at home and they're not home. And so I go immediately and directly to imagining that they have been uh, kidnapped like Liam Neeson in take Liam Neeson in Taken. Right. And that they're gone. And he writes that he does not have a particular set of skills, uh, you know, like that movie and is just like panicked because now his family has been taken and they've just vanished. And, and he imagines that they're in a horrible place. That's a that's a dark place to go. Catastrophic thinking, and it—I completely relate to it. Right, completely relate to it. Yeah, I—I uh, I won't share the stories because they're too. Just yeah. Oh, they're awful. They're awful. But I—I I just all I can say is I understand. Yep, I completely understand. Well, and you know, for a long time, my kids went to school across the river in Portland from where we live. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me tell you. Uh, when that article comes out about the Pacific subduction zone and how we're due for the big one and how that's going to split the city apart, uh, I lived every day with this constant panic 
that I was going to have to figure out where am I going to get a boat when all of the bridges go down in order to get get find some way to get to my kids. It is a real so, relief that they don't go to school over there anymore. And now they're blocked away. You, Pete, right. To help you with that. We have a boat and you are welcome <laughs> to borrow it anytime you need to. So if that okay. ever happened, all right. just rest assured that we have a boat that we will give you. Excellent. I am so glad. Awesome. Unfortunately, <laughs> all the roads between you and me are going to be gone. Wait, I'm doing it again. Wait, but we still oh, have a boat. God. So we'll have our boat. We'll come <laughs> and just get come you. by boat to my house on the hill. <laughs> I'm okay. trying to be optimistic here. <laughs> well, and that leads directly to point number four. So we have filtering, right. personalizing, catastrophizing, and polarizing is the first one. Polarizing, we've done a show on this one too. It's binary thinking, yeah. right? There, Things right. are only good or bad. And it's that feeling that if you aren't perfect all the time, you are a total failure, right? If you're not consistent yep. all the time, you have failed. The system has failed you. That's right. And you have failed. Yeah. So so those are the big four. And uh, I I find those, are, are, you know, it's it's a fascinating and, and nice, concise list from the Mayo Clinic that I think uh, is really helpful. And their perspective is from this idea of how, you know, this kind of thinking impacts your physical health and impacts your physical and emotional well-being, stress management, that sort of stuff, because it it has a direct and research-driven impact on, on your physical physiology. Um, right. So we can talk more about that in a bit. But I wanted to get that out. So I want people, as we talk about this, I want you thinking about those four. And what do you mm -hmm. do day to day? How do these four kind of insinuate themselves into your into your process? There you go. Right. Right. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about the benefits. And I am interested to hear what you learned about the cardiovascular health um, as well. But I know that when I was doing my research, you know, people are generally just happier. You can see that, right? You have a, a more pleasant point of view. Their lives, they, they live healthier lives. They live longer. They have lower stress levels. Last week, we talked about resilience. People who have more of an optimistic view of life are more resilient when bad things happen. Uh, and it increases their motivation too, right. because, you know, you, you see the silver lining or you see, okay, there there might be a lesson to be learned here. What what can I do? Now, this doesn't mean that it happens immediately. I don't want people to just think that, oh, I'm going to choose to be optimistic after something terrible has happened. Mm -hmm. It's It doesn't work exactly like that, right? We know that. Um, but it is something that you can practice and be aware of and work through. That's right. How do you think optimism would help navigate ADHD specifically? It's easy to get into obsessive thought spirals, right, around, mm -hmm. you know, thanks to ADHD and the, the, the OCD that creeps in. And so it's important to include optimism or an optimistic mindset as a part of a mindfulness practice, because you, mm -hmm. you cannot, you can't do it without being present with it. It's too easy for the negative thought spirals to be uh, pervasive. Right. And mm -hmm. and to be the controlling indicator of, of what it is that you are or, or the controlling factor in what it, in, in the way you approach the world. So, um, you know, for me, when I find that I'm in this uh, obsessive thought spiral and I don't even know it. Right. It, it's when the alarm goes off and, uh, you know, in the afternoon and I have to do my daily check in and I, I stop and I look at my list of how I approach the world, the things that I have to do. And I have to say, you know, how did I did I let it get the better of me today? 
am I am I sitting here in a negative space right now? And I and I explore that metacognitive, uh, you know, experience of thinking mm-hmm. about thinking. How am I thinking about my thinking today? Am I letting it, uh, it get to me in a way that is um, that is is going to cause me to continue to be in this thought spiral? Or can I take a minute? Can I take some deep breaths? And can I? try to find the way to change the language that I'm using to explore the positive side of of the negative thinking. The only thing I would add to that is being mindful of your emotions, allowing you to notice them without judgment. Yeah. Let's take the judgment away. You know, let's just look at it for what it is and how you're feeling Mm -hmm. and not feeling bad about how you're feeling. And like you said, giving yourself that space to feel what you feel. And then I, I believe it's at that moment you know, then choosing what you want to do with this. And right. there is no time frame for this. This is, again, what I want to be very clear is there's no time frame for this because it really depends on on the situation and what you're dealing with. Right. Um, but I, I agree. I think you have to be mindful of of what what you're feeling and and what you want to do with that. I um, I run into it all the time in the negative self-talk arena, right? I mean because mm-hmm. I, you know, if I'm if I'm not on top of it, if I'm not, you know, practicing every day, then I'll start saying things like, you know, I'll use the word too a lot. It's too much, it's too complicated, I'm too overwhelmed, right? I'll just I'm you know, I'll never be able to uh get a handle on the workload or whatever. Uh and right. and rather than, you know, oh, I'm I'll I'll have to approach this from a different perspective or, um, you know, I don't have the resources right now, but, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I can, right. I, you know, I can be uh, positive about a, a position of constraint. Um, you know, I'm I'm too lazy. I'm too overwhelmed. Well, maybe I couldn't fit it in my schedule. Maybe I, maybe I'm exhausted. Maybe I am just physically right. exhausted and I, I have to take care of my personal health before I can take care of this new client project. Like right. really try to think about and, and break down that language into something that can be, you know, refocused to the positive. Well, and, and something else that I believe will help with, uh, with navigating your ADHD is really understanding how your ADHD affects you and learning more about ADHD, staying updated on the research and what's happening. Uh, Because the more you can understand how your brain is wired and what you're naturally going to do, then you can start accepting that, okay, this is part of the ADHD. I get that. I'm not broken. I don't need to change for anybody else. I, I need to figure out how to work with this. Be kind to yourself and and figure out, okay, how do I want to respond to this? And I think that, you know, in 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 our lives, uh, in my family, and I think that this is one of the the greatest lessons that I've learned from my husband is we can't control what happens to us. We can't control that that you have ADHD. I can't control that I have anxiety. He can't control that he has MS. And it's one of those things that, but what we do control is how we respond after maybe the initial shock, you know, of some of this stuff. But um, it really has such a big deal or it's such a big deal with the way that you look at life. He, um, you know, by looking at him, you would never even think anything was wrong because he carries himself with such joy and wants to talk to people. And he's not, you know, uh, 
what am I trying to say? He's not just in a hole. Yeah, you know, yeah, he right. he's living his life. He's doing what he can do with what he has. And he knows to do that now because something could easily be taken away from him in the future. Yeah. So he's living with being in the present. And that's what I would want people to understand is that optimism and doesn't mean you don't hurt. It just means that you're shifting Mm -hmm. and you're going to make the best. You're going to make lemonade out of lemons. You're going to do what you can. And I think a lot of ADDers, even though it doesn't come naturally, I see so many success stories. I do see so many people who do get out of that shame and who do figure out the systems and do learn. I mean, in my coaching groups, it's amazing that uh, one of the, the best compliments I can receive or feedback I can hear is when people will end the group saying that they realized how important it was that they understood their ADHD and accepted it. Mm -hmm. And that was really the first piece before any of the strategies or any of that even mattered and connection to other people. But um, it is just such an important piece. Yeah. No, it truly is. I I read another article that just completely coincidental to this conversation today, and it was an opinion piece in the New York Times by David Brooks. And he talks about, you know, it's it's called the moral peril of meritocracy, right? Our individualistic culture inflames the ego and numbs the spirit, and but failure teaches us who we are. That's the the perspective. Yeah. And the metaphor he uses is that of two mountains, right? That we we start our life and we're climbing this mountain. And maybe we're working at a corporate job and maybe we're just trying to work our way up the ladder and something, you know, we want something to, to we're, we're doing all the right things we think because it's going to make us successful and feel successful and we'll be respected because we continue to to have merit and and then something happens, right? Maybe it's, uh, you know, family, maybe it's illness, maybe it's injury, maybe it's failure, whatever kind of failure you or, or tragedy you undergo, you fall into the valley of despair. And it's the valley of despair. This is where things get interesting, right? Whatever you think of David Brooks, for me, this is the thing that that connected with me, that uh, the valley of despair teaches us what's important to us to start climbing a new mountain. And uh, it, and largely when you reach that point in life, the things that are most important to you are not the things that were important to you when you graduated college and got the big law degree and, you know, went to work at a big firm and whatever was important to you. There are things like, you know, I'm I'm going to quit my job and become a teacher. Right. I'm going to I'm going to give back in a way that uh, I I never knew was important to me. But I, I realized that my perspective has changed. Mm-hmm. I see uh, I, I can see that, right? That the the same so there's a parallel to this kind of of thinking, right? To to uh, achievement thinking and optimistic mm-hmm. thinking. It, it, these are these are two sort of divergent paths. And to to be able to sit and and think, is my ADHD putting me in that valley of despair? Am I instinctively going to the most negative place? Uh, then I I have to stop and question. What right now is important to me? What is my next best contribution? What is the next right. step that I'm willing to take forward? If I identify the areas there that that I think are are uh, you know I am most ready to change, uh, then then I'll be in a much better place. Something that you said about the the changing careers though, that reminded me of another comment that Brene Brown had said in her um, presentation that. 
so many of us, I mean, we spend so many hours at work working. Yeah. And if we're not in a job that we really enjoy, then our joy and happiness isn't going to be full mm -hmm. because it's filled with dread. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that was a really important piece that it's really important to know how you're spending your time mm -hmm. and what kind of work you're doing. And the most happy people are people, and I don't remember where I heard this, but are people who are serving others in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel like they're contributing to somebody else. And I, I just think it's another interesting piece. If you're at a point in your life where you feel really pessimistic and there's just a lot of negativity, mm -hmm. I think you got to look at the whole self. Yeah. You know, what is going on that's that's happening? There? One of the interesting asides that I'm, I'm curious your perspective on is that, you know, when you look at optimism v. pessimism in, in terms of ADHD, it spins off of the conversation we had last week that you said that uh, folks with ADHD are more resilient. Uh, as a result of the things that they have mm -hmm. had to deal with, right? That and mm -hmm. and I, my response was I don't know anything about that because I don't I haven't not lived with ADHD, so maybe I guess maybe I am I, I don't know. You are. Uh, would you? Uh, uh, is there a, a sort of parallel challenge that maybe with ADHD, uh, because of the challenges that come with? time estimation, right? Schedule, gating, um, uh, not under, being able to scope projects that we want to take, uh, that we want to take on, uh, that in fact, there is a danger that optimism is, uh, is an unmetered sort of well, uh, that is just overflowing with ADHD. And in fact, like the, the dark side of ADHD is that, we're too optimistic and therefore we take too much on at any given time. Like it's just optimism allows us to take our foot off the brake. I don't, I, I know what you're saying and I think that I separate it. So, you know, is the opti optimism so big that you take on too much or too much? Okay, I want to just sit with that for a second. A, a, an ADHD character trait for many people is creativity. It's thinking big. Mm -hmm. It's thinking outside of the box. So I don't want, I would not want to send the message that somebody should limit that. What I would want to send the message is that you probably will need help managing it. You're probably going to need some assistance in breaking that down and really being realistic with what you can and can't do right now. But I wouldn't want to take away the op optimism at all, mm -hmm. because that's where the creativity is. That's where we grow. That's where you can make a difference by inventing something that changes people's lives. Probably not on your own, but I would say you do need some help just managing it. What and follow through yeah. and all of that stuff, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of things that ADHD then could get in the way. And those are the things that you need to kind of navigate and figure out. Yeah. With help, yeah. with support. With with guidance, with the um and I yeah. you know, um I from I, I always think back to my uh, college days acting, right? You know, I was, I went to college to be an actor, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I uh there there's always as a director, you're always looking to for exactly that trait. Right. You always want somebody who's going to come to the stage and give you more than you need, because it's so much easier to build habits around, you know, scaling it back. 
right? right. It's always easier to do that than to do the work to actually, um, you know, bring more. I have to bring back Brene Brown. Man, she's an amazing woman. You know, she talked in her presentation about uh, being small. You know, she wanted to stay small. And when she did that Houston TEDx talk, she wasn't, she thought she was small. And then it ended up being this like, you know, millions of observers. And I mean, her career just took off. All this stuff happened after just that one TED talk. But she was always thinking small. And uh, when you think small or you think you want to limit your uh, possibilities or you're your limiting yourself, then, you know, you're you're not in the arena. People who are Brene Brown fan, fans will know what I'm talking about. You're not showing up. And there's a risk when you show up and she guarantees you, you will fail and you will get hurt, but you keep standing up. You keep, you keep trying. And when you show up and you're vulnerable, and you're, you know, you're, you're showing your courage. That's when good things are happening. That's when, that's the magic. But if you, you know, if you're the critic and everybody who knows Brene Brown will know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, you don't have the right to judge somebody who's in the arena because they're showing up. Mm -hmm. They're trying. And that's where resilience comes in. Yeah. I, I can't imagine a life without optimism. Because it, I would be in a dark hole all the time. Yep. And so I think that, um, you know, I just won't, I don't believe you have to live your life that way. Yeah. You're going to get hurt, but you also have to believe in yourself that you're going to be able to pick up the pieces. Right. You know, Let's talk about daily practice. Uh, yeah, I think gratitude is a huge thing, whether that is something that uh, you're journaling, you're putting in your planner, maybe you're just thinking about it every once in a while and it's just in your head, whatever. But uh, definitely uh, practice gratitude. Watch where you place your judgments. We are judgmental, but I would really be careful of that. You know, never judge a book by its cover. It's not always greener on the other side, right? We hear these things all the time in our lives. And it's so true because we just don't know the story of somebody else. And we're not the right person to judge. And we are also not the right people to compare ourselves to others because you don't know what their story is. So it may look perfect, but it's not. Everybody has a story. Gossiping is not, and that's not a positive thing to do. And so if you're getting caught in a in a web of conversations where you're gossiping and talking kind of negative about other people, really pull yourself away from those kinds of conversations because it's not going to help you. Uh, and it's certainly just not a nice thing to do. Um, I would say you know, those, those powerful affirmations I shared with the, with the pod or the listeners of the podcast a while ago about the story about my daughter going to the gymnastics meet and whatever you say after I am will eventually find you. So that's another way to really adjust your, your negative thinking into something that's positive. What do you want? instead. Um, Jane Massengill, we had her as a guest earlier in the year, fantastic lady. And she had the wonderful uh, two words that says until now. Yeah. So you know what? Past Hugely doesn't matter. Powerful. You can't change it. Yeah. So powerful until now. So keep that. I mean, write it down. She had it on her 
she had it on jewelry, you know, have those reminders that this doesn't have to shape your life. Yeah. I would also say be kind to other people that you don't know, Mm -hmm. but also to the people that you love. Mm -hmm. You know, give a compliment to somebody, let someone know or let somebody go before you at the grocery store, open a door, you know, keep it open for some somebody. It's just these subtle moments as humans. It seems like it's in human nature, but we know it's not. And make that effort so other people can see that because it it starts with us. It starts with one person mm-hmm. and it can be um, a very powerful domino effect because somebody could have had a terrible day and then, you know, like a waiter or a waitress, I always like to give extra tips because they could be so like busy, busy, busy. You know that they're just having a terrible time and then, you know, you didn't really get great service, but you see that they're having a terrible time and just give them an extra tip and say, you know, some nice words. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that make your day? Oh, right. Pay it forward. (laughs) Pay it forward. Always pay it. Don't be the person to end the pay it forward. I definitely agree with that. And I would say find joy in your life. Uh, do the things that make you happy, that make you smile and um, have a balance of working hard, but playing hard. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, it's not always about the producti- productivity list. It's not always about what you can get done, but play, yeah. play with the people you love and enjoy the the blessings we have. You know, uh, it, it, I'll just throw in this, uh, the cardiovascular health study, because this is the, the point that I wanted yes. to make earlier, which was, yeah. which I think was so interesting that, um, you know, we, we know that car- people who are optimistic as as it goes are tend to be healthier and uh we, the the study that these that they they did hernandez and kershaw did uh, as they are looking at adults age 52 to 84 who participated in the multi-ethnic uh, study of arthrosclerosis uh what they discovered is yeah those with the highest optimism were more likely to have uh, intermediate and ideal cardiovascular health compared to the least optimistic group. But it's more important than just, you know, oh, I'm optimistic, therefore I'm, you know, healthier. That's not the connection. The connection is optimistic people are more likely to do the things that keep them physically happy or that keeps them physically healthy. That means those people who are in that group of saying that they are most optimistic, those are also the people whose blood sugar and glycemic levels were uh, in the ideal zone because they had an easier time of eating healthy foods. Those were the people whose blood pressure was lower because they practiced mindfulness as as a part of their daily activities. Those people who were in the optimistic zone don't smoke, right? Those people who were in the optimistic zone, their BMI, their body mass index was in the ideal zone because they were most likely to get regular physical activity, uh, you know, on the order of, you know, 30 minutes a day. Those Mm -hmm. are the most interesting sort of confounding indicators in this study that, that, that it's not just, oh, I'm optimistic, therefore I'm healthy. It's I'm optimistic, therefore the things that I have to do to keep the human mechanism that is me moving are are easier for me to do day to day. They're easier for me to tackle. It's easier for me to go out for another walk um, than it is to go eat another Twinkie. 
And and right. those are the yeah. things that you I can see I that. kind of have to keep in mind that when right. you do a daily mindfulness practice of, of uh, that is focused on optimism, that is focused on seeing the good in other people, the good in the world, you are more likely to to be able to remember that I got to do some stuff for me and you're going to mm-hmm. you're going to reap the benefits of that. Oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Uh, the only other uh, bits I wanted to add were be open to humor. Uh, this is another one from yes. the Mayo Clinic that laughter is one of those things that actually uh, helps you, keeps your blood moving, keeps your uh, yourself oxygenated. You're taking in lots mm-hmm. of, of great uh, oxygen when you laugh. So seek humor in everyday things. Uh, and uh, like you said, uh, find a community of people who are yes. also optimistic. Do not hang around with people who see only the negative in the world. Find a it's way. Toxic. It is toxic. Yes. Find a way to free yourself from communities of folks who who are poison. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I completely spaced that one. But that's like probably one of the most important ones. And if you can't avoid them, at least spend less time time with them. You know, do something to kind of like not not get sucked into it because that is just as much a domino effect as optimism is too. So you just got to take care of yourself. Yeah. So where can people connect with other ADDers, Pete Wright? Well, we happen to have a fantastic Discord community, and uh, we should add that that Discord community is open. You don't have to be a, a patron to to access the the general area of the Discord community, which is thriving and vibrant. That general chat room is fantastic, and uh, encourage folks to check that out. Uh, and uh, I'll post uh, an invite link in the show notes for this very episode. So just scroll over to the show notes, and you'll you'll find a link, and you can join the community right there. How about that? And and if you choose to be a patron, if you choose to support the show, then you get access to all kinds of other wonderful channels and topic specific channels, things like that. But you don't have to you don't have to do to do that. That's right. just for for those who want to. They've we've sort of it, it is blossomed yes. into something we didn't. And expect, so. I just want to mention, too, I offer coaching groups pretty much every season. Right. So we're yeah. looking at, you know, one in fall, spring summer, winter. Um, And so definitely check out the coaching group. So if you're looking to have connection with a small group of people um, and uh, have, you know, eight to 10 weeks where you're really dedicated to to working with those people, that can make a big difference too. So connect, connect, connect. Connect, connect, connect. Thank you very much, Nikki Kinzer. Good conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate your time and your attention, and your optimism. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.